0: Okay, today, some of you who are from a Roman Catholic background will know that today is Ascension Sunday. Has anybody ever heard of Ascension Sunday before? No? One, two, three, four. I want to count everybody. No, I'm just kidding. We won't we'll let that go. Yeah, every, if those of you from a Catholic background, know that this is the day, the Feast of the Ascension. And it's a celebration of Jesus Christ uh, going into heaven 40 days after he arose from the dead. Now, it's, a, it's a, a feast that in most Protestant churches they, they don't recognize, um, not because they don't believe in the Ascension, they absolutely do, but they tend to uh, bypass that in, in their celebrations, celebrating more of the big events like Christmas and Easter. So Ascension Sunday. This will be the very first time, I think, in almost 30 years that I've been a pastor, that I, that I think I've spoken specifically about this. Of course, I've made reference to it numerous times, but never have I especially zeroed in on it. So today is Ascension Sunday. And uh, again, it's, it's a celebration of Jesus going back to the Father. As I began to meditate on this, I began to recognize that it has huge, huge uh, implications for us. And... Um, i got to be honest with you, I feel a little ashamed of myself having not uh, pursued this. But today, I'm going to pursue it. And I hope and I pray that when you leave here today, that your heart will be set on fire again if, you, if the fire has gone out and that you will be reminded of your responsibility as a Christian. Now, I just want to... Set at ease the minds of those of you who uh, maybe are, have a, a bent towards skepticism. Because you are thinking, well, Jesus arose, arose, and went into heaven. Um, at what point did he actually get into heaven? Those of us living in this generation know that if you if you rise up, you will eventually go through our atmosphere out to, into outer space. And when will it stop? I remember my grandmother, who is a, a real skeptic, and. Uh, basically um, didn't know Christ. I remember her saying that when the astronauts went into space, they didn't find heaven, they didn't find God or Jesus up there floating around. Very sarcastic. And uh, that might be some of you this morning. You might be wondering, well, what's it really all about? Well, I've got to tell you this. This idea, this understanding of the universe as we understand it, is a relatively uh, new discovery in the history of humanity. In Jesus' day, this this is what they understood or recognized uh, as as as, as what what the world was, what the universe was. And it was the, go ahead, it was the earth, and then below was hell, and then above was heaven. And that was their understanding, basically a a three-tiered cosmology. And so here's the thing. Jesus was very specific and very intentional about making sure that his disciples understood that he was going to the Father. And the way that he communicated that was through this ascension, what looked like Jesus going up to heaven, going up right before their eyes. Jesus did this in order to communicate and make it clear to his disciples that in fact he was going to the Father. Now, those of us in our generation, in our age, much more sophisticated, uh, we understand that, that obviously something else was going on, or this whole thing is a myth. Well, folks, I've got to tell you this morning, Jesus communicated in a way that his disciples could understand. And God has done that through the ages. He's communicated with us in a way that we would understand. So, what happened here? Well, again, let's back up and take a look at what happened in those 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible is clear that when Jesus rose from the dead, he had a, what we call a glorified body. His body was not like the body that you and I have now. In fact, his body was changed. And we see Jesus able to appear in one place and then appear somewhere else and then appear somewhere else. We see him able to walk through, literally being able to walk through walls. And some of you would say, oh, this sounds ridiculous. Don't be too hasty here. Don't be too hasty. We're going to talk about this in just a a few moments. Jesus, in his glorified body, was no longer subject or bound by space and time. He was literally able to function in what we would call the fourth dimension. Now, you'll not find the idea of the fourth dimension mentioned in the Scripture, but it certainly is implied by what we see here. Jesus was not subject to space and time. Able to walk through walls, able to appear and disappear, reappear somewhere else. What's going on here? Jesus is showing us in those 40 days before he left this earth just a foretaste or a glimpse of what was to come for those of us who would go to be with the Father forever. So I've got to tell you this today. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that he was going to the Father. And we're going to talk more about this whole idea of the fourth dimension in just a moment. But let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. So Jesus now has gathered his disciples together. His 40 days are complete on earth, and he takes them to uh, the Mount of Olives, and, and here's what happens here. The Bible says that he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I want us to, to look at that question. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Why do you stand here? The reason they ask this question is because if you go back one verse to Acts 1.8, you come across what we call that famous Great Commission passage where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In other words, what the angels are saying to the disciples is don't just stand there with your face hanging out. Get busy. Go to work. Go do the thing that Jesus told you to do. Now, I'm going to tell you this this morning. If your Christianity has lost its edge, lost, you've lost your light, you've lost your fire, you've lost your excitement, your energy, it could be because you have forgotten Jesus' great commands. At this moment, the disciples seeing Jesus leave the earth could very easily have become depressed. They could have lost their, their joy, their excitement. They could have lost their hope. They could have said, You know, Jesus is gone now. Now what are we going to do? It's all over. But the disciples are approached by these angels and said, What are you standing here for with your face hanging out? Why do you stand there just looking at the sky? Get busy. Go do what Jesus told you to do. And I'm going to tell you this this morning. The way for you to get your joy, to get your fire, to get your enthusiasm, your excitement back is by getting busy and doing what Jesus said. Because here's the thing, whenever you do what Jesus tells you to do, that's when you are in a position where you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. When you have the empowering of the Holy Spirit, my friends, you are experiencing the fullness of God's power at work within you. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more thrilling and more exciting than that. I'm going to talk to you more about that in just a moment. So here's the thing. This is our top priority, to go and tell the world about Jesus. Now, I've been in the ministry for a lot of years, and I've got to tell you, I have seen a lot of fads hit the church. A lot of strange things take place in church. And it's kind of like... uh, Kind of like the, the fad diets that we experienced through the years. How, has anybody ever been on a fad diet before? Diet, fat, anybody? know what I'm talking about? A few honest people here, some too embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> anybody ever heard of the banana diet? Or eat bananas and lose weight? Don't go home and do this, please. It's a fad and it's not good for you. There's a diet that required that you, you have cabbage soup. Anybody ever hear of that one? Anybody done that one, the cabbage soup diet? Did it work for anybody? Did it last? Did it, would it work long term? Probably not. It didn't work for me. No matter how much cabbage soup I had, it was never quite enough. <laughs> and boy, did I stink. <laughs> anybody remember the meat diet? You just eat lots of meat and you lose weight. Anybody remember that? You get skinny, but you really stink again. You know? I mean, we'll do just about anything to look good, right? And then there's the diet where you have no meat and just vegetables and everything else. Um, anybody remember the, the diet where you uh, eat mustard? Doesn't that sound like fun? You eat diet and it's supposed to speed up your metabolism, see? And it speed up your metabolism, then of course then you lose weight. Ah, uh, Crazy stuff. And guess what? Not good for you. Really not good for you. None of these fads are good for you. Well, guess what? The fads that have hit the church have not been good for us either. It's been very damaging to the church. And so in the past 30 years that I've been in the mystery, I've seen the, 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 the God wants you rich fad that's gone through the church. And I've seen churches split over that. I've seen people fall away from God because suddenly they're not getting the wealth that the pastor has been promising them. Anybody get, you don't admit this. That's okay. Just keep it to yourself. But you thought God wanted you to be rich and it never came your way. I know pastors who've lost their ministries because they were so adamant about that. I know of couples who've been divorced, got divorced because of this. I know of people who've struggled terribly because they hitched onto this fad. And then there was a the fad that God wants everybody to be healed, no matter what. And. Uh, I won't tell you the name of this pastor or where he had his ministry, but very, very successful ministry. And he preached everybody was supposed to get healed without exception. And that if you didn't get healed, it's because you had sin in your life. Tragically, very tragically, his wife got cancer. And of course, now he's got to put his money where, or his his ministry where his mouth is. And uh, guess what? His wife passed away, tragically. Believing right to the end that God was going to heal her and that that was God's will, and so she never made, she never talked to her kids, she never prepared her children, she never dealt with that. And how many know today that you're all going to die? Does everybody know that today? Anybody think you're not going to die? Anybody been told by God that you're not going to die? Guess what? That person beside you, they're going to die. So this is really exciting, Pastor. This is such an inspiring message you're preaching here. You're all going to die. This poor man lost his ministry. It split the church. Uh, dozens and dozens of people fell away from God, caused huge, huge damage. Then there was the there was a the pro- prophetic fad where certain people were supposed to be told by God what was going on in your life, and um, in other words, they called it reading reading your mail. So in other words. They can see what's going on in your head, and they can—they—they—they they, they, they got the inside scoop on what's going on in your heart and life. <sighs> Pastor, big, big church in Calgary, went down that road. And uh, long story, very long story, just long, he too lost his ministry, split the church. People were accused of things or being told that they were doing things or had done things, and it never happened. Many people fell away from God. And one more fad, one more fad damages the church. And of course, the, the, the age-old fad of focusing on the end times when Jesus is going to return. Has anybody seen the billboard, billboards up? Anybody seen them in town here? If Jesus returns on what day? May the what? May the 21st. Okay. So those of you who are not ready, you should be quaking in your boots right now. Those of you who are ready to go, Big deal. Jesus, come today. Come 10. It doesn't matter, right? But These things become fads that, listen to me, that distract you from the thing that God called us to do. And he called us to go into the world and be his what? His witnesses. There is no other thing. That is the thing. That's the calling. That's the work. That's the job. And the minute you start looking up into the sky and start getting distracted by all the fads and all the things that are going on around you, that's the day you need a tap on the shoulder by two men in white coats. Or, or by angels. Who stand there and say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Get busy, you've got a job to do. Go out and be witnesses for Jesus Christ. These were your marching orders. Listen, any preacher, any teaching, any church that, that pushes any other teaching or any other instruction is preaching heresy. And I'll tell you why. Because any truth taken to an extreme becomes a heresy. Now you are saying, Pastor, God, God doesn't want me to be healthy? Of course he wants you to be healthy. Are you saying God wants me to live in poverty? I'm not saying that God wants you to live in poverty. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I can tell you this, it's a non-issue. Read the book of James and you'll find out. But I can tell you this, I do know this, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then your job is to be a witness to the world telling them about Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, or you're visiting here today, you're wondering what we're all about, I can tell you today that our job, that our calling, is to share the good news with a broken world that Jesus Christ can set you free from every problem, every, every addiction, every heartache that you may be experiencing. You can be set free. And the reason I know that is because the Bible says when you know the truth, and Jesus said he's the truth, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is our job, to be witnesses to the world of Jesus Christ. I know some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, you don't believe in miracles? Well, just wait, just wait. I'm not done yet. Okay, We're not done until the fat man sings. <laughs> That'll be me. <laughs> Someone once said that if a church is not involved in the Great Commission, and doing the Acts 1-8 thing, that church does not have a reason to exist. This is why we exist. This is why we're going to Fairford. This is why we're going to Africa. This is why we're going to Lighthouse Mission. This is why we're going to the Philippines. How many want to go to the Philippines with us? Okay. If you want to go to the Philippines, would you wait with me after the service today? I'm dead serious. Meet me after the service. Ali will be here, right? Go down. Talk to Ali. She's going. She's going to help me with that. That's why we do it. Why we go. Why we, we scratch our pennies together? This is why. This is why we take our income tax return. This is why we take our auto pack rebate. Hello, everybody! Anybody get that this week? Yeah, those of you who are going to Zambia, get that into the church. Just sign the back of it, hand it in. It'll go towards your your fare. But I'm telling you, this is why we this is why we do what we do. This is why we take up an offering. Someone said, you know, the church all you want is your money. Listen, listen. This this we're not taking money so the church can buy me a Rolls Royce. If they want to, they can. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't even want a Rolls Royce. BMW. <laughs> no, 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 not even that. Why do we do the offering, my friends? It's so that we can bring the witness of Jesus Christ to a broken and hurting world because we are convinced that Jesus Christ is still the only answer to this broken and hurting world. And someone say, please say it. Amen. Acts eight. You want your fire back? Want to get on fire for Jesus? Get excited about your faith again? Get back to what Jesus told you to do. Go and be a witness to Jesus Christ and watch your life come alive. Now, having said that, I've got to tell you this. Once you you are committed to receiving the torch that Jesus passes on to the disciples, because really this is what the ascension is all about, this is why it's so important that we have this, this discussion this morning. When Jesus, went into the, when, when Jesus ascended unto the Father, do you know what he did? He literally passed the torch to you and me. Did you know that? When Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus is saying, okay, you know what, I've been doing miracles for three years, and I've been preaching, and I've been, I've been healing people, and I've been doing miracles and, 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 and preaching the kingdom of God. Now, now it's your turn. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going into the Father, and you're going to take over now. And I want you to notice something. There's nothing in the book of Acts about a plan B. There's only a plan A. And the plan A is that God wants to use you. Right? Does this make sense this morning? God wants to use you to be his representative to a broken and hurting world. So Jesus says this in John 16, 5-7. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. I'm just going back to the Father in heaven. And not one of you, Jesus says to his disciples, not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. The disciples were like, oh, Jesus, don't go. You have to go. We don't want you to go. We want you to stay. I know some of you today would just love it if Jesus came over to your place and stayed with you for a few weeks. And some of you would absolutely not want that. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if Jesus were right here right now? Guess what? He is. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send to you. John 16, 5-7. So here's what Jesus is saying. If I go away, if I ascend into heaven, if I go to the Father... Then the Holy Spirit will come, but the Holy Spirit cannot come until I go to the Father. Now I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning because here's what you and I need to know as believers. Here's what you and I need to know as Christians. And those of you who are looking into this whole Christianity thing, you don't know what it's all about, listen to this. This is cool. Really cool. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended unto the Father, He promised that He would send His Holy Spirit who would do what? Who would come and live within us. I've got to tell you, This has never happened in the history of the world, in the history of humanity, where the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in the hearts of people. It used to be that God dwelt in temples built by the hands of men, but now Jesus is declaring that the Holy Spirit is going to actually come and dwell within us. Now, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you and within me, I'm going to tell you something this morning, folks. This is awesome. This is amazing. This is thrilling. God goes with you wherever you go. You're not alone. And guess what? When you go and do the thing that Jesus called you to, go, to do, to go and tell the world, to be witnesses, you don't do it in your own strength or in your own power. You do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was a boy, my sister went to camp, Calvary Temple Youth Camp. And uh, she came home, and she was a different human being. I really did not care for my sister too much. She was a miserable thing. How many of you got a miserable sister? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, she was a miserable thing. Oh, just so glad that she was gone for a week. Get out of my sight. Get out of the house. Got the house to myself. Thank you, Jesus. My sister's gone. She comes home from camp. And it was like, who who are you? Who is this girl that's just come home from camp? She was different. I mean, she was majorly, majorly different. She was happy. Very miserable before. She came home happy. Her face was, it was like her face was glowing. She was, Actually talking nonstop about God. And I like, Are you okay, Kathleen? <laughs> Are you alright? She'd been touched by God, she'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said to her, What happened to you? And she said, Well, I'm glad you asked. When I was at camp, I asked For someone to pray for me that i would be filled with the holy spirit and i said well then what happened she said well then i began to speak in different languages it was bizarre but it was fantastic you got to try it and so i said okay if my sister could be changed that much by an experience with the holy spirit then i knew that whatever she had i had to have it too and so it was my turn to go to camp the next week when i got there went to chapel. I don't remember what the pastor, the preacher was preaching about. I have no, no recollection of that. All I know is that I was waiting for him to finish up. Because I wanted to go to the front of the chapel and kneel down, and I wanted to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I, as soon as he finished speaking, I came, I knelt down. One of the counselors came and talked to me and said, what are you doing here? What do you, what do you want? Why are you kneeling here? I said, well, my sister got the Holy Spirit last week, and I want the Holy Spirit this week. I didn't know anything. I hadn't been to Bible school. I had no teaching on it. I hadn't read it in the Bible. All I heard of was that I heard it from my sister. She told me about it, and I knew whatever that was, I wanted that. So he we said, well, it's easy. All you've got to do is just confess your sin and then ask God to fill you with the Spirit. And you know what, Just uh, I was in grade 6. How old are you when you are in grade 6? Anybody remember? Yeah, I was, uh, that's how old I was. Grade 6? 12. Thank you. Thank you for figuring that out. I'll put that in my notes. I'm praying, and all of a sudden, it was like lightning bolts going through me from head to toe. It was, I was, my whole being was hot with the power of God. And I began to pray and to speak in another language, began to worship God, began to cry and laugh and thank the Lord. And I didn't want to leave the presence of God. I did not want to, I did not want to miss anything. And the curfew everybody's supposed to go to bed at 9 o'clock. I was in the chapel till 11 o'clock. At 12 years of age, with bears on the ground, I didn't care about bears. I would just, I, I could walk right by them. I didn't care, because I'd been in the presence of Almighty God. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I could tell you, my friends, there have been very dark times in my life. There have been times when I felt doubt in my heart. There have been times when I, when I felt under attack and struggled. And guess what? I always go back to that night in the chapel when I met with God and God met with me, where I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to tell you something this morning, my friends. God wants all of us to experience an experience with Him. Maybe not identical to what I experienced, but God wants you to experience Him. He wants you to experience an empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because this, my friends, is what Jesus promised. And this, my friends, is why we celebrate what we call Pentecost Sunday. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit came. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that the people were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other languages. And from there, do you remember the scaredy cat Peter? When that little, slave, that little servant girl asked her, are not you a follower of Jesus Christ?" He swore at her, said, "I don't even know who Jesus is." I mean, imagine that. Peter had been with Jesus for three years, and a little little servant girl says, "Don't you know Jesus?" And, and he swears at her. He's, he's mad and denied "I don't know anything about it. But when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly he has a power, a boldness. He stands up and he preaches. To the, to the crowd, the multitude. And the Bible says that some 3,000 people came to Christ that day. The scaredy-gap Peter was empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, was able to share the good news, the gospel, so that 3,000 people came to Christ. My friends, listen to me. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you are filled and touched by the Holy Spirit, when you remember not to be distracted by the fads that so often go through the church, when you remember that your goal, that your, that your purpose is to go and be witnesses of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, then something incredible begins to happen in you and through you. You begin to experience miracles. You begin to experience things that you never thought you'd ever experience. Is it just for the pastor? Is it just for a select few no, it's for all who call on the name of the Lord? It's for you. It's for you. You know what would be really thrilling? is if over the next few weeks, if everyone here would take time to fast and time to pray and ask God for a fresh touch. How many would say today they needed a fresh touch from God? I know I do. Can I invite you over the next little while to take time out with God, spend some time in prayer and fasting? If you were baptized in the Holy Spirit as a young person or as a child or years ago and it's been years since you've, you've spoken in tongues or experienced the power of God in your life, can I invite you to get alone with God and let him do a work in you and sort you out? If your life right now is it's just it's in the dumpster, it's in the toilet, it's, it's a mess, I've got good news for you. Jesus loves you. And he wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to turn things around from you. And guess what? He's the God of the miraculous. Did you know that God wants to use you to do the miraculous? How many know that today? How many know that Benny Hinn's not the only one who gets to do that? Everybody knows that, right? God wants to use you to be a blessing, to do great and mighty things in this world today. Did you know that? I can prove it. Do you want me to prove it? Okay, you asked for it, I'm going to tell you. John 14, 12. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I had done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. This is his promise. Because Jesus has ascended and gone back to the Father, Jesus says, you and I will do the same works that he did, and even greater Now, can I just bring some clarification here? Because when it says even greater, I don't think Jesus is saying that we can top raising someone from the dead. I don't think he's saying that at all. I don't think he's saying that, that anyone here necessarily is going to walk on water. But I will say this. We are going to do things that Jesus never did. And this is what you need to understand about the ascension. When Jesus went into heaven, he passed a torch to us to go and finish the job. That's your job, to go and do the work that Jesus didn't do while he was here. Jesus only ministered to the people of Israel, but God is raising up a people who go to the whole world and share the gospel. That's what God wants for you and for me. Remember I said there's no plan B, there's only a plan A, and that's to use you and me to go and bring the gospel to a broken and hurting world. Do you know uh, there's nowhere in the Bible or talks about the great miracle that we experienced right here in this church. We wanted to buy this building for five hundred and fifty thousand. We had a hundred and fifty thousand we got from our property and then we needed another four hundred grand and we said, God, where is this going to come from? because we know this is what you want. We asked Safeway, could you give us 400 grand? Could could you possibly give us $400,000 so we could buy your building from you? And they said, yes. And I wrote a receipt, the biggest receipt I ever wrote in my life for $400,000 to Safeway. You won't find that in the book of Acts. But I can tell you this, it's the ongoing story of the book of Acts because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And what God did at the early church, he wants to do today through you and through me. You say, miracles? Really, Pastor? Can I just remind everybody of something? When I was in Bible school, I read a book called Flatland. Has anybody heard of the book Flatland? It's it's basically a story about a two-dimensional world where, where everybody is flat. Two-dimensional. Okay, you get this? You getting this? Okay. So here's the thing. Um, let's say you and I were two-dimensional. If we were in a maze, anybody do mazes? Sometimes little puzzles where you got to start it and then get to the end and not get stuck. Okay. If you were two-dimensional, you could not go between the lines. Like you could not cross over the lines. You could only go where there was a where there was not a line. But let's say somebody from the third dimension visited the two-dimensional world. As a three dimensional person, you would have the ability to step over the line. And the minute you stepped over that line, guess what? You disappeared to that flatlander. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because, you know, we are so stuck in this third dimension that we don't understand that there is a spiritual dimension. And what looks like a miracle to us, to God, it looks absolutely possible and normal. Just as that three-dimensional person in a two-dimensional world being able to step over a line and as far as that two-dimensional person is concerned, that three-dimensional person disappeared. But what did he do really? He just changed. He just stepped over a line, took advantage of that third dimension. Guess what? God wants to work in you and in me in a dimension that most of us are not familiar with. Did Jesus ascend into heaven? Yeah, he did. But I believe that with all my heart, that out of sight of those disciples, he went into that fourth dimension, that place which we call the presence of God, where there is no constraints, there's no time and space. God wants you and I to begin to dwell and live in the miraculous. He wants to use you and me to make a difference in this three-dimensional world. He wants us to bring hope and life and healing and the miraculous to people who are bound by this three-dimensional world. This is what the ascension is really all about. God passing the torch to you and to me giving us his Holy Spirit to enable us, to strengthen us, to quicken us, to go forth and win people for Jesus. And if necessary, even to appeal to the miraculous in order to get the job done. My friends, this morning, God is calling you back to that place where you take up the challenge to go and be witnesses of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to be a witness with us going to the Philippines, stay with me after the service because we need to talk. I have a little video clip I want to close with and then we're going to pray.